0: You're listening to Around Comics, the Comic Culture Podcast, episode 138. this is around comics the comic culture podcast I'm Christopher Naisman I'm Scotty Young I'm Brian Salazar. And for the next hour, we're going to be your guides as we cover news and information stories in, and around the world of comics. Uh, Tom Caters is usually going to be here, but he's off on assignment. <laughs>
1: I'm Tom Caters. <laughs> I'm, to, I'm Tom Caters. <laughs> Hello.
2: I'm going to be doing Answer Man for you little, a little later on.
0: <laughs> well, we do have one of our other contributors here. It's uh, Mr. Chris Marshall from uh, Detroit has come down and uh, for the inaugural new format. How are you doing, guys? Good. We're
2: very well. All right, right. to be lied. here. Thank <laughs> you, thank you for inviting me down. I love the flash. Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is going to be
0: the regular contributor for our uh, new trade paperback and collected edition releases. You're going to be doing that every week for us.
3: Yeah, Scotty would say that's how I roll.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's how he rolls. And and I would also say that's the only version of comic books that exists.
2: Oh! Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you, you guys are going to be fast friends. Oh. Aren't you? Man, man, I don't know. I'll Ooh. buy you a beer later. Uh, be. This <laughs> place is completely, we've changed everything. The mm-hmm. whole store is different looking. Paint, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sitting in a different place. The new weather. Uh, my underwear is on backwards. Not on at all. Uh, <laughs> when it's on, yeah. Uh, this is a whole new uh, thing for us. It I, uh, um, I'm excited and a little, a little frightened.
1: Well, I got- was frightened earlier in the week, and uh, now. <laughs> I am running naked through the <laughs> store because it, with excitement, with, with joy yes. in your heart, enthusiasm. Yes.
0: Well, we've got some fun stuff coming up today. Having a little conversation with Rick Remender and Tony Moore. They're the creative team behind the EC-inspired outer space action
2: and adventure series, Fear Agent. Uh, we're we're also going to have uh, some DVD reviews from Will Piper. Yes. <laughs> I believe that's how his name is say it, said. Uh, We've got... Uh, what else do we have? We have Answer Man. Tom's doing Answer Man. He's all set for He's that. He's off in the in the lab
0: right now recording.
1: We're going to introduce uh, Scotty's yeah, new for, segment. For people who uh, enjoy hearing me yap, I'll do it some more. <laughs> uh, in my weekly rants about whatever I want to rant about. pisses you yeah, off Whatever, whatever week. And I have a... It, Tonight's is a doozy.
0: (laughs) A doozy of a rant. (laughs) We're going to hear from uh, some former guests like Jeremy Mullins, who is going to be a regular contributor by giving us some great recommendations on webcomics. I have an editorial piece i We're not. We're not going to put Scotty's rant and your editorial <laughs> it gonna go right back to back. It's going to go right back to back. Melt people's ear. You know, earphones. And uh, we
2: might have some surprises along the way.
0: Sure. It's
2: uh, and me. Don't forget me. And, and of gonna course, we, we are going to have. I the, know I look like Brad Pitt. Right, <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. What's in the box? I, I am contributing.
4: <laughs> 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 what's in the box? I'm
3: actually contributing to the show.
0: <laughs> also, uh, Chris, you might be interested in this one. Uh, I got a chance to talk with Wesley. Wong, who is a uh, color artist for Marvel's Masterworks line.
3: Wes and I email back and forth all the time. He's on my forum all the time.
0: So you get, uh, get to find out a little bit of what goes into the restoration of those great classic Silver Age comics. All of that and more is next on Around Comics.
1: This episode of Around Comics is brought to you, as always, by Borders. Sink your teeth into the story that introduced the world to Anita Blake, Vampire Hunter. (laughs) Get your copy of Guilty Pleasures by Laurel K. Hamilton at your local Borders. Borders is your home for the tastiest fantasy novels. Find a store near you at Borders.com. Uh, while it has tasty fantasy novels, it doesn't have tasty tasty hamburgers like Kuma's Corner. <laughs> Ooh, I love Kumas. Mmm, tasty, mm, tasty. The Anthrax burger, uh, really good. Led Zeppelin. I'm going with oh, Led Zeppelin. Is, <laughs> have you know had why? Slayer? Uh, this is
0: Chicago insider stuff. You know what? The Led
1: Zeppelin has a uh, hamburger, bacon. And a barbecued pulled pork. Oh, my Lord. And a little cheese. Oh, Have you had the, have you had the Slayer? I love no, the fact it's, it's, that, it's that on a
0: plate. That, it, it comes on a plate, and there's a burger somewhere under a pile yeah. of cheese.
2: How am I fatter
4: than all
1: you people? How does that work? I don't eat that stuff. Because you've been eating tasty novels instead of oh, juicy burgers. Yes, yeah, you got to go to Kuma's Corners. You know, well, see, what they don't tell you is uh, after you eat the burger, you wrestle a bear. <laughs> and you wow. burn calories doing
4: interesting. that.
2: Interesting, yeah. interesting. All right, cool.
0: We kick off this week's episode by talking with Rick Remender and Tony Moore. They're the creative team behind the sci-fi action-adventure series, Fear Agent. These two vanguards of creator-owned projects have the reputation of making fun, genre-jumping comics. We start off with Rick and Tony talking about the advantages of working on creator-owned projects.
5: Well, I always put it like this, and I don't mean to to step on it it, you know... I always, I, for me, it's it's like, um, who was writing Miss Marvel in 1979 or 80, whenever she had her own series. Who was writing, you know, other than like the exceptions where you go, oh, Daredevil was doing a run from 83 to 86 or 87, um, because he just owned that character, you know. But if I say who was doing the Spirit, well, you know, that was Will Eisner, and who does the Goon, and that's Eric Powell, and who does Sin City, and that's Frank Miller, and Hellboy, and and, and you know, and the Turtles originally, and on and on. There's, there's, you know, there's a. Of course, we're we're like we're comic nerds, and so we have a real love for the things that Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko created, and we have a real love for the old, you know, DC characters, and and, and love that stuff. I do. I'm definitely going to to do you know jobs in you know in those sandboxes because I grew up reading those comics. But you know, if you don't temper that and also work a lot of your career and create your own stuff. Um, you end up being 50 years old, and nobody cares anymore. Because comic books—they chew you up and you spit you out. I mean, you know, whoever, whoever, all all of the heroes from 10, 15 years ago, you know, who's still who's still a hero? Jim Lee, maybe two or three other guys. Um, you gotta, you know, you have to. I think as a, as a as a realistic creator, kind of like appraise the the landscape of the in, of the industry and say, like, hey, you know, unless I'm one of like the one percent of guys who get work for their whole lives out of this. It kind of comes and goes. If you're, you know, if you're hot at Marvel or DC for a little while, that doesn't necessarily, for most people, last all that long. And if you don't have your own thing, your own sort of brand and your own sort of identity, a building, you're building stuff for somebody else your whole life, opposed to, you know, build stuff for other people. Sure, but make sure you're working on your own house at the same time. And um, it's not. It's 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 also a creative thing. You know, I think that for, for myself, I really like the uh, being able to. To do what i want without any interference. And i like to think uh i don't know
6: i look out at the comics landscape and i see a lot of uh, you know really great guys doing a lot of great work for other people and uh, it it lacks that that energy like as far as the 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 characters and, and the stuff that's being created goes like i it, it, i see a lot of guys working for other people and and it's there's nothing new being brought to the table but it's just people digging up old stuff and trying to put a spin on it and um uh, personally I, I i feel like life's too short to to walk around in other people's footsteps um you know I, I might not ever sell as good as any of that that stuff but you know when i'm laying on my deathbed i want to know that you know i did something you know, on my own even if it you know even if no one paid attention it's it's a tough thing to do, and that's why you see a lot of indie t- indie titles dry up because uh, these guys are killing themselves. In some cases, working for you know uh, at least half a year, sometimes more, um, for nothing, you know, f- free, full time for free. And uh, you know, if if the sales it, and it's a vicious cycle because retailers won't pick it up because it seems like, you know because they don't know if it's going to dry up but then it does dry up because no one's ordering the book, and then these guys got to go find paying work to keep the lights on, you know. So uh, it's, a, it's a hard road to hoe, and it's uh, I, I don't envy anyone trying to do it.
0: Fear Agent recently made the move from Image Comics to Dark Horse Comics. Making a publisher change in the middle of a series can raise questions about the old creator-publisher relationship. Here, Rick Remender talks about his ongoing relationship with Image.
5: We have nothing but love for Image. In fact, um, we have a new book coming out with them for Halloween. We're Tony Moore and and Kieran Dwyer, returning back to the zombie genre. Um, We're doing a book called Triple X Zombies with uh, Tony and Kieran and myself uh, under a new horror line that uh, Kieran and I will be continuing on after this called Crawl Space. And um, I've got Sorrow going on at Image right now. I've got The End League and Fear Agent: at the Dark Horse. it's it's a business decision that we just we just can't talk about, uh, you know, why the the switch was made, but it's really important that everybody know that both companies are, you know, in our in our in our hearts.
0: Here, Remender talks about making the relaunch at Dark Horse appealing to both new and old readers.
5: Um story-wise, story I made a I made a real effort to make the first issue of the last goodbye, which is the first issue of the Dark Horse run, um a, a nice introduction to new readers, as well as a recap for past readers. It's um, it's a story that you could read self-contained and get the gist of the story, because it is Heath's origin uh, during the first invasion of Earth. And then you've got uh, Dark Horse now has Volumes 1 and 2 of the first 10 issues um, that were originally published by Image at a reasonable price in a beautiful package. So basically... Um, what we we what we've experienced is that anybody who reads the book is hooked. I mean, I I, I, I it sounds again. You know, you want to you want to be careful of walking the line of su- sounding self-aggrand you know self-aggrandizing opposed to uh, you know being being humble. And I don't want to sound arrogant, but I, I stand behind you know the book with with my with my reputation. I think that anybody who reads it and, and doesn't enjoy it is a, a soulless um, black-hearted devil who. Um, who should die, basically.
0: Fear Agent is currently alternating art between Tony Moore and Jerome O'Pena. Here, Remender talks about working with both artists and if he writes differently for either one.
5: No, I write them both. I mean, whether it's for Jerome or Tony, they're both, I think, two of the best storytellers with the, with the most amazing art in, in comic books. So I write, it, I write it the same for either one of them. I try to make sure that every issue has something that they can sink their teeth into, um and And you know, as well as perpetuates and furthers the the goals of the of the story you know it's it's sort of the responsibility of a comic book writer to not get your head up your own ass and sort of just start um writing stuff because you love to hear your you know your own dialogue. If that's the case, you should really write for television so with both these guys because they're so good at anything I give them. But as an artist, I know that the most fun stuff is the action and it's a comic book, you know. This is high adventure. It needs to have that. So I always try and make sure that it's got a good dollop of both for either of them. And now that I'm inking Tony on Fear Agent, which is a recent development, um, I'm sort of cursing myself for some of the stuff I wrote in the third issue of his current arc. (laughs) Uh, So what I will be doing is cutting out anything that has crowd scenes or any detail. But... um, I mean, penciling—tony stuff. I've only done, you know, I've done about five pages at this point. We're rolling on issue three right now, um, and it's been nothing but nothing but good. I mean, his pencils are as tight as they could be, and they're they're gorgeous. Uh, just it's just a matter of sort of. It's nice because I you know I've been doing nothing but writing for the past eight months, so getting back to the art board and turning turning off the brain and just getting into the sort of cathartic and relaxed act of you know putting down nice brush strokes and, and quill lines. It's actually been been pretty good for
6: me. I, I wanted him to ink it in the beginning, like when we first pitched it. That was the plan, and, and then we both got too backed up with other shit, um, and, and ended up making other plans. But uh, you know, and, and that's not to say that I haven't been thrilled with everybody else, but yeah, uh, you know, I've always wanted to, to have Rick ink my stuff. Uh, he inked the first cover, and that was as far as it got, and, and I've I've always wanted it. So so yeah, I'm thrilled with it. It looks great so far.
0: Here, Tony Moore talks about how he got E C comics legend Jack Davis involved with Fear Agent.
6: Yeah, I uh yeah, I I decided uh, when we were putting together a list of uh people we wanted to to potentially do like alternate covers or, or something like that, um, you know, our list was pretty short and the first guy that we thought of was, you know, Jack Davis. I mean you can't can't beat you know, one of the original AC crew, um, and I, yeah. When when Dark Horse was actively, you know, putting together lists, um, a lot of lo, a lot of the names they were throwing out were were like you know new guys who are, are hot and whatever. And I thought, you know, uh, that's all fine and well, but I mean, we got to get. I mean, when when else are, are you going to get the chance to do something like this? And so I, I hunted him down and uh, called him up out of the blue. I actually had to sit by the phone for like a half hour before I had the courage to pick it up and give him a call. But, uh, yeah, I asked him if he'd be into, interested, and uh, I sent him the book, and he loved it. And uh, he he said, uh, he actually told me when he got the books that, that he wished Harvey Kurtzman had been able to see it, and I almost broke down and cried on the phone. And uh so yeah, yeah, it's it was it was amazing. And I think that was a, a big shot in the arm when I was trying to you know, get kick started on drawing the book too. I you know, I, I pulled through that first issue in like probably a little over two weeks. Um, and I think it was because I was I was flying so high from, from getting the chance to talk to him.
0: The E C comics of the late forties and fifties are a major influence on Fear Agent. Here, rick and tony talk about their ec inspirations
5: Ridiculous. it's sort of the barometer we all need to measure ourselves by i mean <clears throat> i i think it's 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 a, a slippery slope if you start talking about the story stuff i mean the, the ray bradbury stuff is great and there were there were some some really you know um really smart stories and sort of you know a lot of the stuff that clearly inspired shows like the twilight zone and, and things like that later on but the um just you know, if nothing else artistically, it's 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 a high water mark that you know it hasn't been reached again. I don't, I, I really don't think. And you've got a lot of a lot of eras that have come close, and a lot of other amazing great comic books. Don't get me wrong, but you know, um... in pretty much everything I do, I I, I try and um, invoke you know one particular EC comic book, and I know that you know Tony is uh, in, the, in the same camp as that, and that's why we work so well together on, uh, on, on Fear Agent, you know, it's, 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 we're, we're both big fans of Wally wood and, and speak his language, and so, you know, it's the same thing on, like, the last Christmas where I was evoking, like, you know, um, a lot of, a, a lot of wood and a, a lot of, uh, Will Elder and guys of, that ilk, um, and then, you know, Sea of Red, where we were clearly, like, you know, interested in trying to recapture some of the coolness of piracy in those books, and, and on and on, you know, we're all very, very, like inspired by that stuff. This, this Dark Horse
6: run, uh, pretty much, it, it it it's just a war comic. Uh, it's you know two-fisted tales, uh, frontline combat type <clears throat> type stories. Uh, uh, and and the art, I'm doing my damnedest to, you know, uh, channel Joe Kubert, war comics and Russ Heath and um, all those guys, and, and really trying to stay true to like the real deal war comics uh at the same time as making a you know tying it into our fun sci-fi story but uh you know it's it, like rick said we're we're really trying to evoke like a specific thing as we go uh where a lot of the stuff in the earlier issues was uh, straight Wally wood uh, space hijinks uh this stuff is very gritty foxhole type stuff and uh so yeah, I, I think
5: uh, anybody who enjoys that type of stuff is gonna gonna see where we're coming from when they pick it up. You know, especially not just the E C stuff, but especially the the nineteen sixties, our army at war and all that Kubert and, and Russ Heath uh, you know, stuff that they were doing, uh, you know, enemy ace and all that all that stuff. It's just um, you know, when you start when you start appreciating what Kubert and those guys were doing with that stuff, you start understanding why what's lacking in modern comic books a little bit.
0: And that'll finish our Fear Agent talk with Rick Remender and Tony Moore. Be on the lookout for other projects from both creators, including Remender's Sorrow, Crawl Space, and The End League. Tony Moore is currently alternating his art duties between Fear Agent and the outstanding Vertigo series, The Exterminators. Information about Rick Remender and his projects can be found at rickremender.com and Tony Moore's Home on the Internet can be found at tonymooreillustration.com.
7: We are building a religion, we are building it bigger, we are widening the corridors and adding more lanes, we are building a religion,
4: a limited edition, we are now accepting callers for these
0: vendors. Now's our chance to get you ready for the week ahead by running down the new single issue and collected edition releases. Please note that these are only partial lists and the shipping dates can change without notice. Here is Chris Marshall of the Collected Comics Library to highlight new trade paperback and collected edition releases.
3: Starting off this week from DC Comics, we've got the Batman Chronicles Volume 4, which collects his Golden Age material, the Helmet of Fate trade paperback, the Question Zen and Violence Volume 1, which is the Denny O'Neill run from 1987, Transmetropolitan Volume 8 from Vertigo, is out this week as well as exterminators volume three Lies of our fathers that is a new printing from wildstorm we've got wetworks volume one which collects issues one through five plus two short stories that reintroduce wetworks into the wildstorm universe moving over to marvel we have spider-man back in black hardcover and one of my favorite characters the essential moon knight volume two annihilation book one the trade is also out this week as well as Blade Sins of the Father, the trade paperback. Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, Volume 4, Still Friends Digest. Anita Blake Vampire Hunter Guilty Pleasures, Volume 1, gets a new printing this week. Both the Anita variant cover and the Jean-Claude variant cover. Ultimate Spider-Man, Volume 16, Deadpool, the trade, gets a new printing. And so does Marvel Masterworks, The Fantastic Four, Volume 5. This is the variant edition reprint. The regular edition reprint came out last week. And one side note regarding the Masterworks, you may have heard that the Nick Fury Masterworks has been delayed until October 17th. What's also interesting is that there's an Avengers Masterwork also due out that day, and it's pretty uncommon for Marvel to release two brand new Masterworks on the same day. So look for the Avengers one to get pushed back by about a week or two. Moving over to Image, we get a new printing of the Pro from Garth Ennis, as well as the official handbook of the Invincible Universe. Sonic the Hedgehog Archives, Volume 6, is out this week from Archie Comics. And from tomorrow's, we've got Back Issue Number 24 and Rough Stuff Number 6. That'll about do it for this week. For Around Comics, I'm Chris Marshall, the Collected Comics Library Podcast.
0: Chris Marshall is the host of the Collected Comics Library Podcast. Find the podcast, release schedules, and a checklist of everything collected at collectedcomicslibrary.blogspot.com.
2: Hey guys, it's Sal. I just wanted to take a look at some of the books that are coming out this Wednesday. Just some things that I thought were interesting, and hopefully you will too. Uh, starting off from Dark Horse, I got uh, Sock Monkey, The Inches Incident. This is from Tony Millionaire. It's uh, Continuing Adventures of Sock Monkey and Mr. Crow, and I guess they find out something's wrong with their friend Inches, but it's too late, and the truth sends them fleeing for their lives. It's a twelve ninety five trade paperback, 88 pages, and like I said, it's from cartoonist Tony Millionaire. Interesting note about him, he got a start as a cartoonist while sketching one night at a local bar. He was drawn on a little napkin, and uh, he came up with the idea of a little bird who drank a little too much booze and blew his brains out. Uh, this was the actual origin of his best-known character, Drinky Crow. The bartender there uh, asked him to do more of them, and he actually offered him a free beer every time he'd bring in a, a new napkin. After doing a, a bunch of these little cocktail napkin drawings, he began trying to figure out a, a better, more polished version of them, and eventually he was able to get them into publication. Millionaire has gone on to being published in a lot of great magazines like The New Yorker, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, and is and a very successful cartoonist. So who says drinking? Has Hasn't accomplished anything ever. Uh, moving over to DC Comics, we have Metamorpho Year One, number one of six. This is a, another of the Year One mini miniseries, uh, written by Dan Jurgens with art by Jurgens, and I believe also Mike Norton is doing a few issues on this series our friend Mike. Uh, This is about Rex Mason, and it's sort of a retelling, a bit of a newer retelling of his origin story. Uh, Metamorpho is one of my favorite DC characters. I just think he's uh, funny and cool, and a little tidbit about his uh, origin, Bob Haney, who created him, also was the creator of uh, The Metal Man and Doom Patrol, and after the success of those books, uh, he was sort of given the uh, idea to create someone else else to uh, sort of work on the popularity of those characters. In 1965, uh, in Brave the Bold number 57, Metamorpho debuted... Moving on again to uh, Image Comics. They've uh, released the collection of the official handbook of the Invincible Universe. Uh, This collects uh, the official handbook of the Invincible Universe number one and two into uh, one trade paperback. It's 112 pages, 1299. It's everything you want to know about all the Invincible characters, power levels, hometowns, relatives, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just love the fact that Kirkman has quietly sort of created his own little superhero universe over there at Image uh, with, with some great characters and and they inter you know weave characters from book to book and stuff like that. It's just really cool to see a, a bunch of superhero books that aren't afraid to be good superhero books. Also from Image Comics, we have Suburban Glamour, number one of four. This is from our buddy Jamie McKelvey. Uh, this is about a couple of teenagers who are stuck in like suburban hell. And then all of a sudden, something really weird happens to one of them. And she starts getting messages from uh, her childhood friends. And she tries to figure out, is she crazy? Is something really happening? They keep telling her something big is going to happen. Uh, I, I remember seeing this uh, art. Uh, when Jamie first gave it to me, sent me some of the pages, and I was able to look at it, and I'm such a big fan of his black and white art, I was kind of afraid uh, of the color stuff, because I, I really just love his black and white, but the colors, uh, once I saw them, they just blew me away, and I think this is going to be a gorgeous book, and, and I, uh, I hope a lot of success for, it for Jamie. Uh, moving on to Marvel Comics, we have Howard the Duck, number one of four. This is from Ty Templeton and Wab Bobbio, I believe is his name. Uh, this is uh, The Returning Adventures of Howard the Duck and his friend with benefits, Beverly, uh, as they try and destroy the internet, radio, and television. It's a four-issue miniseries. Uh, I know some people probably aren't real happy about uh, Steve Gerber not being involved with Howard the Duck. Uh, Gerber, if you don't know, created Howard the Duck in 1973, uh, in Adventure into Fear, as a secondary character in that comics uh, Man Thing book or, or feature, I should say, um, Howard became kind of popular, and he graduated from into his own backup, uh, and confronted a bunch of bizarre horror characters such as uh, Hellcow and Man Frog, and then he finally developed into his own comic book title with Howard the Duck number no. one in 1976. Uh, around '78, the writer Gerber and publisher Marvel clashed over issues of creative control, and Gerber was abruptly removed from the series. This was really the first publicized creator rights comics in in or case in comics, and uh, it attracted a lot of support from major industry figures. Some of whom created these homages uh, with Gerber to sort of enlighten people to the events of this case. One of which was uh, Destroyer Duck. One of my favorites uh, was with Jack Kirby. Uh, also, another tidbit about uh, Howard the Duck. At one point, Disney threatened to sue Marvel for infringing on Donald Duck's copyright and enforce them to uh, change the design of the Duck, which led to uh, Howard wearing pants. So that's why, why he's not uh, going commando nowadays. Uh, also from Marvel Comics, we have Omega the Unknown, number one of ten. Uh, this is by uh, uh, Jonathan Lath- Latham. Uh, with pencils by Farrell Dalrymple, I believe, uh, inks by uh, Dalrymple also. Um, this is the story of uh, this sort of uh, mute, uh, reluctant superhero from another planet and uh, this uh, teenager here on Earth who seems to share a strange destiny with him. Um, this is a reimagining or recreation of a series that was originally done in 1975 by Howard the Duck creator, Steve Gerber, um, and it only lasted ten issues at that time, but it came became really sort of this cult classic that people really thought were, it was way ahead of its time, and uh, it, it was a tale of like an anti-hero, um, and, and it really was, did have this really deep cult following so they're redoing a, a 10 issues uh, series again I'm, I'm interested to see what what's it's going to look like it's a uh, 32 pages 299 um and finally from vertigo comics we have vinyl underground number one this is by Sai spencer with art by simon kane uh, i'm sorry simon gain and cameron stewart uh with a cover by sean phillips this is um sort of a uh the way they put it was um the Invisibles meet CSI. It's sort of this weird group of occult hunters, um led by uh the the D list celebrity darling, uh soul DJ and son of ex footballer uh Morrison Shepherd. Um, I guess, uh, fresh out of prison, you know, I'll just read a little bit of the the preview. Fresh out of prison and off a nasty coke habit, Morrison is joined by a fellow ex-con named Perv, whose seizures give him clues to crimes long before the cops, uh, and Leah, a gorgeous morgue assistant who leads a double life online uh, and represents the brawl brawn of the team. She, so the, it's a strange little group of characters that go out and try and solve crimes. Uh, One of the interesting things was the title for me, Vinyl Underground, I immediately thought about the uh, 1960s avant-garde Andy Warhol creation, The Velvet Underground, um, whose first album, The Velvet Underground and Nico, is very notable for its um, very honest depictions of the subcultures of the time, drug use um, and abuse, uh, prostitution, uh, sexual deviancy, all sorts of stuff that were really taboo in the music industry at the time um many of the songs in in that first album were very controversial so if you haven't checked that out maybe uh that's something to check out so that's about it for this week uh just to look at some of the things i thought were cool so hope you uh check some of them out and let me know you can email us and uh, let me know what you thought talk to you later have a good one
0: around comics is proud to help support the hero initiative Hero creates a financial safety net for yesterday's creators who need emergency medical aid, financial support for essentials of life, and an avenue back into paying work. It's a chance for all of us to give back something to the people who have given us so much enjoyment. For more information, visit www.heroinitiative.org or call 310-909-7809. Comics aren't just in comic shops and bookstores anymore. You can now find thousands of webcomics online. Jeremy Mullins is here to save you hours of searching on the internet by telling you where to find the best and brightest in the ever-changing world of webcomics.
8: Let me start out by recommending one of the best long-form webcomics that I've ever come across, When I Am King by Swiss cartoonist Demian Five. The slightly bawdy comedy about an Egyptian king on a quest to reclaim his crown and his lost underwear is hysterically funny. Take my word of advice. Don't be pulling this one up at work because your boss will hear you laugh in the corner and you're likely to squirt coffee through your nose. Fire-breathing camels, flower-patch orgies, and psychedelic trips to make Timothy Leary jealous are all part of the story. Not only is When I Am King funny, it's also stunning to behold and look at. Unlike many web comics that integrate computer effects poorly, Demian 5's limited animations and 3D graphics are used judiciously and really enhance elements of the story instead of detracting from it. And I don't know about you, but I often find it difficult to read comics that were initially intended for print that have been scanned and placed online. Vertical pages are not usually comfortable to follow in a horizontal web window. Demian 5 constructed When I Am King as a webcomic first and only. His panels flow from left to right in a continual sequence, making it very easy to follow. I appreciate not being made to just read a few panels left to right, then having to scroll down further on a page, read a few more left to right, then having to keep scrolling again and again and again. The formal crown gem of When I Am King is the dream sequences that are in Chapter 4. Demian 5 does things online that could never be replicated on the printed page. This comic is a lot of fun. It's visually stunning. It's a lot of laughs. It's really well put together. I can't say enough about it. It's one of the best webcomics I have ever read. So check out what I'm talking about. Point your browser to www.demian5.com. The address, again, is digit 5com For Around Comics, I'm Jeremy W. Mullins.
0: Jeremy Mullins is a professor of sequential art at the Savannah College of Art and Design. You can find more about the school and their programs of study at www.scad.edu. This portion of Around Comics is brought to you by Ape Entertainment. Welcome to Autumn's Grove, a quaint little town where your fears manifest, then devour you whole. Only a few people are willing to face the madness lurking behind the facade, and not all of them will survive. Available for pre-order now is Sullen Gray, the mini-series from Josh Gageway and Drew Roush, artists on SLG's Haunted Mansion and Tokyo Pops' The Dark Goodbye. To find out how you can pre-order your copy of the Sol Gray Trade Paperback for 50% off the cover price and receive a free original sketch from series artist Drew Roush, go to www.apecomics.com. Half price and a free sketch. There's no better bargaining comics. For previews of the Sol Gray Trade Paperback and tons of other ape goodness, visit our friends at www.apecomics.com.
7: It was heaven when I stepped Check, this is the ink spot. piece to Blair Butler. Redmond, and you wanna match collections, why not? I got books old enough to Stiff, make you want to try. All, all the way from classic runs to the one-shot. Crossovers from epic events and alternate universe plots. Ayo, hey, yo, these books ain't the only thing they got. This is also the official pen and paper RPG style. Gaming every Saturday afternoon at two o'clock. Not crabs and sealer, but I'm shooting dice on my block.
9: To answer man this is the weekly segment where me tom caters answers you the listeners questions about anything you want about comic books uh, you can ask me whatever you want and i'll look up an answer or i will make up a funny one or i'll find some sort of ground in between that we can all be happy with we're going to start off first week first question comes from area code uh, 212 is on our forms Yes. what was the deal with the Pocket Universe Superboy? Now, when he references Pocket Universe Superboy, I'm going to assume he means Superboy Prime, who is uh, a rather interesting character. Uh, Superboy Prime was introduced right around uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and he is the Superman of Earth Prime. Now, you might be asking, what's Earth Prime? Earth Prime was... Our Earth, you and me, this one, in the DC Universe. Uh, There was times when characters like The Flash would travel to the world of the people that are writing them. So he would meet Julie Schwartz, and he would meet Carrie Bates. And that world was called Earth Prime, uh, which was probably a little bit more similar to our world uh, didn't have as many superheroes. I, I believe there was one other one, Ultra, at some point. Uh, but the main the main gist of this goes that on this Earth, there was a couple named Jerry and Naomi Kent who uh, find a baby abandoned in a forest. Uh, the father's a fan of Superman. They think it would be funny to name it the kid Clark, Clark Kent. So they raised the son who... You know, seems to be normal uh, until in high school on Halloween when he dresses up as a uh, as super, as Superman. Haley's comet flies overhead, and he suddenly gets Superman's powers. He's the Superman of our Earth, uh, which obviously would be pretty jarring for a child. Uh, it's even more jarring when your world gets destroyed, which Earth Prime does in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, He is one of the survivors, though, and at the end of that series, he gets into the same pocket dimension where Earth-2 Superman, Lois Land of Earth-2, and Alexander Luther of Earth-3 go into. Now, spending a significant amount of time with an older man version of yourself, his wife, and some sort of gold-suited freak with curly orange hair is probably going to make you very unsettled, which it did. And Superboy Prime, probably a little bit bitter about the fact that the world he was going to be Superman on is no longer around, and he's just got to live the rest of his life trapped in this tiny universe with no women, no prospects of women, nothing going on. So, really, the next time we see him is on Infinite Crisis, where he's one of the instigators of the events in that book. Uh... He's also become a bit of a running punchline because as part of that story, he punched the walls of time. Uh, And the vibrations from this punch would alter things such as Jason Todd coming back, uh, the Doom Patrol's origin being messed around a little bit with, uh, other things like that. So it's become a popular internet joke to reference punching the the wall of time. It's even been referenced in Booster Gold. Uh, This time away has made this kid... About as whiny as Luke Skywalker in the original Star Wars. I'm waiting for him to demand to go to Tachi Station to pick up power converters. So all he does is whine. Uh, you uh, can also see him in the Sinestro core story, as he's been drawn into that with his natural hatred of uh, the Earth in that story. Uh, so you, he's a petulant teenager who thinks a lot of himself and who has the powers of Superman. So he's, he's troubled. He's a troubled youth. Uh, so that is the deal with Superboy Prime. Uh, if you have a question, or if I missed anything, let me know. E- email me at tom at around comics. Uh I'll try and find an answer to your questions. I got uh, quite a few right now. Uh, keep them coming, and even the most simple ones are sometimes fun to talk about. You can throw me complicated ones. Not too complicated, but uh, I'd love to hear from you. So thanks, and good night.
0: Golden and Silver Age comics get older, more expensive, and harder to find. The market for archive-quality reprints has increased. I had the opportunity to talk with Wesley Wong, a color artist who works on the Marvel Masterworks line to restore classic comics for new generations to enjoy. Wesley, uh, welcome aboard. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us.
10: Hey, no problem. Thanks for talking to me
0: now you are uh, technically a, a freelance colorist for marvel but what's different for you than a lot of other colorists is that you work predominantly on the marvel masterworks line
10: yeah i'm doing mainly color restoration
0: now were you a comics fan before you got into coloring or is this just part of a an art career
10: um actually i've been a comic fan for years uh i wanted to get into the penciler originally but it wasn't quite up to snuff and I couldn't do that fast enough so I'm like well let's try a little thing for now at least.
0: Working on the masterworks line one of the things I've always been interested in is that there are so many uh, tips and techniques especially working with you know Photoshop and, and different coloring programs that there are a lot of tools that are available to you that weren't available to colorists back in the 60s. Now how How much do you have to restrain yourself, and how much do you have to more or less recreate the coloring in the original issues?
10: Um, Whenever possible, we stay about as accurate as possible to the original. Um, The only time I make any changes is is if it looks like it was a mistake. Like uh, if Spider-Man's legs were like 100% blue and like 25% magenta, but somehow they knock out the blue in the printing process. I put the blue back in so that it matches how it's supposed to be. Um, on the covers of the books, I get a little more freedom. I can airbrush a little. Um, there's more, uh, like a slightly larger color palette, but even then I stay as true to the original as possible.
0: Now, speaking of color palettes, what was the original color palette in uh, in Silver Age comics? I know that it was, it was a very limited number of colors that they were able to use.
10: Yeah, it's... 64 colors. They go in ranges of 25%, 50%, and 100%. And then there's no black tones in any of that other than line work.
0: Now, of course, you now have pretty much an unlimited color palette. So whenever you work, do you actually create a 64 color palette that you can use?
10: Um, we're, we're assigned pretty much to the strict 64 colors. Like We have a set amount that we're working with. So it's I don't have to create anything, um, it's just variations of the 25, 50, 100 with the the CMYK, the cyan, magenta, and yellow.
0: What are you working off of? Uh, are, are they sending you uh, digital reproductions to say, here, you need to match this? Or are you getting original issues? How, what source material do you use?
10: Uh, the source material I get is um, they send scans of the original. Some of them are pretty old, so they're a little harder to make out. But yeah, it's pretty much just original scans.
0: The Marvel Masterworks line is all archival quality. These are the issues that you're going to keep on your shelf for years, decades. Now, what do you have to take into account, knowing that that the paper quality is so much different than what the original issues
9: were?
10: That's actually like one of the big debates I noticed, like on the boards that I've been reading. Some people prefer the uh, the paper that's closer to the original. It's not really anything. I take into account of all that stuff is kind of out of my hands. I just know which colors I can use, and some of them do end up looking a little brighter than my personal preference would be. But you know, it's still mathematically, I guess, it goes with the like the same formula that was used in the original one.
0: Now, what Masterworks have you worked on?
10: The first one I got was the Atlas Era one, but I've worked on like uh, the most recent ones are the Thor. Uh, Volume 5 and 6, and I did like a few of the issues of the X-Men Omnibus one. I don't know, it's just a lot of scattered ones here and there. I don't, he doesn't really keep, uh, Corey, the editor, uh, doesn't really keep me to one strict line. We just kind of get bounced around to wherever we're needed.
0: Now, what, what part in the restoration process are you? Uh, are you getting uh, pages that have been re-inked, or are these shot from uh, film, from the original boards? Where are you at in the restoration process?
10: Uh, more often than not, I'm actually at the stage where um, like I just get the, the inked files, um, the black and white images. There are a few times... When I'm brought in, uh, I'm not really brought in, but if there's time constraints, I will fix up some of the line work here and there. So, uh, you know, I do get uh, line-out reconstruction credits.
0: Now, what tools do you use? What's your your setup?
10: Uh, Primary uh, Photoshop. um, Right now, it's pretty much just lasso and paint bucket. And very rarely I use the uh, little brush or the pencil to clean out, like, a few specks here and there.
0: Now, are you the only colorist that would work on a particular masterwork, or do you work with a team of other artists?
10: Usually, well, nowadays, I'm the only colorist on some of the books, but there are times when uh, there's like five or six of us working on a book. We don't really interact with any of them, like each other, and actually, there's a lot of people like who have been doing this a lot longer than me, and they're much faster, much better than me, but I... I do okay, but yeah, nowadays I'm starting to get my own books, like, you know, he assigns me an entire masterwork, whereas in the past, it used to be 25 pages here and there.
0: Now, who's been your favorite artist to uh, color over?
10: You know, uh, I like Bitco a lot, um, especially his Atlas's Monster stuff, too, um, and, you know, Kirby and uh, Gene Cohen, at. Uh, I, like, I love coloring their stuff. I actually love looking at their artwork. That was kind of one of the things that made me jump on this, too, because I'm like, well, I'm kind of getting paid to stare at their artwork all day, so that's kind of cool for me.
0: Yeah, there are very few colorists in the field now that can say that, hey, I color Jack Kirby.
10: Yeah. I, I like the fact that I get to see the si- like, uh, full-size images rather than small JPEGs on the the Internet, which is you know what I'd look, look at before I got the job.
0: Can you talk about what masterworks you're working on now?
10: Right now I can't it's it's one that some people have asked for uh but I can't talk about it cuz it hasn't been officially solicited I think it should be uh they should be soliciting it soon though
0: Well Wesley uh we'll finish up here but before I let you go if there is one masterwork that you would love to put together what would it be
10: That's kind of a hard one actually for some reason um I like the idea of uh doing Luke Cage and Iron Fist together. I don't know if that'll ever come to be, but I wanted... That's one of those things that I kind of would love to work on.
0: Well, Wesley, thank you so much for spending some time with us, and we'll see you around the comic shop.
10: Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me. Should I do and say what I want?
4: Well, we, he's just, it's just, it, 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 it's just terrible. It's just terrible. the way he
1: is at times. Today we're going to talk about Smallville. Oh, man. You ever watch a movie or watch a television series or read a comic book or listen to a band's new album and you think, why uh, don't you guys just stop? You had a good thing uh, for like five minutes and then you keep going, or 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 you read something, you watch something, you're like, oh my god, the people that make this are sitting in a studio, or sitting in a boardroom, or a meeting room, laughing their asses off at the joke that they're playing on everybody. Uh, I'm watching the sixth season of Smallville at the moment, and I'm not all the way through. I'm only halfway through, so maybe uh, by the end of it, it gets incredibly sweet. I fucking doubt it, but at this point. I'm thinking that there is a writer's room where they are all sitting around with the fucking half-arrow gimmick gag prop on their heads, laughing their ass off at how many people still watch this show simply because it has uh, about 2% to do with the Superman mythos. So we're going to get a little bit into just some random bullet points of a show that at this point makes Guiding Light look like Schindler's List. Um... We got the Green Arrow. He's a big part of this season, uh, the, the good old Green Arrow. And uh, I'll tell you what, right now, I'm going to give some little advice for anybody who wants to be a superhero. Uh, the idea, you got the secret identity. You don't want people to know who you are. You, uh, you want to be able to blend in. You don't want to be recognized. Well, I'll tell you what. Don't go put on some fruitcake, Backstreet Boy, uh, cool video, sleeveless chaps uh, situation with, uh, with some goddamn Oakleys. How about, if you really want to be a superhero, you take my advice, you go get some goddamn blue jeans, run by Target, pick up some black hoodies, go buy fucking lids, pick up some black hats, and uh, you go out in the street. Guess what? You look like everybody else. You're never going to stand out. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Nobody's going to know who you are. So how about we try that on for size and uh, and see how that goes. Now, uh, keeping in with the, the Green Arrow, we have Lois Lane. Uh, Lois Lane is the Green Arrow's... Uh, uh, girlfriend, So I'm just wondering if the writers are going to further uh, convince us that Lois Lane is absolutely mentally fucking retarded. Um, because we all know that at some point Lois Lane can't figure out that Clark Kent is Superman because Superman... Uh, slicks his hair back and has an s curl and Clark Kent wears the the crazy insane disguise of glasses um, now we 've given that a free pass uh, since the beginning of Superman, the whole mythos, but um, the writers of Smallville decided that uh, that wasn 't enough to 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 make us think like these superheroes are really good at covering up who they are uh, we We need lois to to date another superhero and be um, fooled by their incredibly, incredibly, uh, vague disguise, right? So Lois Lane, who is dating Oliver will then turn around a couple hours later and be face to face with the green arrow and be like, Oh my God, I don't know who you are. You got Oakley's on and reverb on your vocals. Who are you? Uh, come on, seriously. Has anybody ever put a pair of Oakley's on and you went like, Oh my God, where's my brother? Where he was just right beside me. Who are you? Uh, yeah, so oh, for, I guess for all those people who are on the run, if, you, if you're on the lam, you've murdered somebody, uh, go to the mall. Buy a pair of Oakleys. Uh, you'll never get caught, and you'll live a free life and, and live happy. So um, I am getting a little frustrated with the, the, uh, the amount of time they're spending making Lois Lane look uh, absolutely retarded. Stay tuned next week for uh, more reasons that Smallville makes me want to beat the shit out of your mom. When he's not writing The Continued Adventures of Catwoman, Will Pfeiffer is a DVD and movie reviewer for the Rockford Register Star, and uh, an all-around nice guy. Uh, Here is Will to tell us about what's happening in DVDs. A good selection of DVDs coming out on
11: Tuesday, including some stuff that comic book fans might want to check out. See, first we've got 1408, it was a movie based on Stephen King's story, starring John Cusack, Sam Jackson in a small role. Pretty good horror movie. Ending Peters out a little bit, but there's some genuinely good scares, uh, so we're checking out. There's also a two-disc set of Francis Coppola's Dracula that came out in the early 90s. Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves massacre their English accents, but there's some great visual stuff going on, a lot of fun special effects, and uh, Gary Oldman makes for a very fine Dracula. A Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer's Out. The Power Cosmic Edition includes an extra disc, uh, bonus features. And if you've got a lot of money to blow, you might want to pick up the Star Trek Next Generation Complete Set. That's 49 DVDs, and it's $455.95. But it's only $304.99 on Amazon, so do your shopping online. For this week's sort of obscure movie, I want to recommend The Prestige. It's one of the Dueling Magician movies that came out last year, and this is the one if you're a comic book fan. Just think of it this way. It's Batman versus Wolverine. Come on, you've always wanted to see that battle. What I mean, of course, stars Christian Bale, Batman, and Hugh Jackman Wolverine, and they played Dueling Magician at the uh, turn of the century. Thunder. It's a great plot, very complicated, and also directed, written and directed by Christopher Nolan, who's doing uh, The Dark Knight, and he directed... um Christian Bale and Batman begins. So it's good right there. Plus, if you're looking for extra comical connections, you got Michael Caine, who played Alfred, he's in this movie. You have Andy Serkis, who played King Kong, he's in this movie. And you have David Bowie playing the real-life scientist Nikola Tesla, who's probably about as close to an equal genius as the Lex Luthor type, as we've ever seen in real life. Great movie, full of uh, twists and turns. The ending is, is really surprising, and it's really powerful. It really, uh, fits in thematically with the movie. I thought it was one of the best movies of the last year. Almost nobody saw it in the theater, so definitely check it out on video. This is not to be confused, by the way, with, uh, The Illusionist, which was the other Dueling Magician movie of 2006. That one starred Edward Norton, The Hulk, and, uh, Paul Giamatti, played Harvey Picard in The American Splendor. So comic book connections both, but I would give Prestige the, uh, the top hat on this one very good movie we're checking out that's pretty much it for dvds this week i'll be talking to you later and for around comics this is will piper you can find will's written
0: reviews at the rockford register star by going to go.rrstar.com and visiting the entertainment section you can follow will's comic book work by picking up dc's catwoman every month That'll take care of another Monday edition of Around Comics, the comic culture podcast. Make sure to come back on Thursday for Around Comics, the comic culture roundtable. An informal and entertaining roundtable discussion about the world of comics and pop culture. Feel free to visit us online at www.aroundcomics.com. Remember you can contact the show via email at info at You can also visit us at MySpace and ComicSpace. If you like the show, you can leave a review at the iTunes Music Store. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and may not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Any reproduction, retransmission, or rebroadcast without the express written consent of Around Comics is strictly prohibited. All content presented in this program is the sole property of Around Comics, and this has been an Around Comics production, copyright 2007. Thank you for listening today and making Around Comics your source for comic book news, reviews, and opinions. We'll be back again next Monday for another edition of the Comics Culture Podcast. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around
4: comics. I know you didn't love me, baby I know you did me wrong Let me come home Oh, yeah Oh, I got the, got the love Oh, I got love you, baby Everybody got my love and now they gone Got my loving, baby You got my love good. Now you gonna love me all alone. Why you got my love and love me alone? Why you got my love one more time